What is up, guys? We are at week zero. Like, we have real football to talk about, and we're going to well, have real football. Okay, stop it. We're not going to put anyone on blast. We have real football yeah. that we can tune in to watch this weekend, man. I'm so pumped for this weekend, and I know you guys are too. And th- I think Saturday, man, we got games from, I believe, 12 o'clock, Brandon, starting, starting on Fox all the way to like 9 p.m. Central Time um, on like CBS Sports Network. And I'm so pumped for this. And I'm just glad that we are finally talking some real college football. And we're going to start out here talking about UConn, Fresno State, kicks off at 1 p.m. Central Time on CBS Sports Network. And Fresno State is a 27-and-a-half-point favorite, Brandon. So what – when you look at this matchup, I'll, I'll, I'll give like a brief overview for, you know, anyone tuning in who is trying to get into these matchups. I know your favorite team probably isn't playing this weekend, but we got we got to get some hype behind these games. It's the return of the Huskies, Brandon. That's what we're calling it. They yeah. set out last – no, they set out last year in 2020, and then Fresno State is really looking to make a run for the Mountain West title, Brandon. They're coming off a 500 season, but they return a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, especially the offensive side of the ball, in which they had one of the most efficient offenses in the group of five. And then UConn, Brandon, we know the struggles. You've been vocal, especially for some reason, on the podcast about this as well. Three and twenty-one. Their past two seasons, they're looking to rebound. Brandon, this will be their first game since November, I believe, twentieth, twenty nineteen. So, I think the energy is going to be there for both of these teams. But for you, what are some of the matchups you're looking for? What are you looking forward to watching this game? And you know, kind of break break down like what you're looking at. There's not. I mean, Zach, I'll be honest with you, man. And I did my research for this. There's not a single matchup that I'm looking forward to in this game. There's really not. And, and, and I say that as somebody who pays attention to games, mostly because I gamble. Who cares? But UConn is a is – a, they are plus 1,600 in this matchup, Zach. Do you know how bad that is against another group of five team? Like that's, that's – like, I can't even put that into words. The over-under here is 62.5, Zach, and I'm pretty sure that's because line makers were like, yeah, I bet Fresno State could score uh, 63 on them. I bet they could do that. Um, now, and I'd like to make it abundantly clear. I know Zach's like, we're not going to talk trash. I'm going to talk trash. So we are not covering this game because it's a good one. We're covering this game because it's on this weekend. Uh, if you're a Fresno State fan, good for you. Your team is actually going to be decent this year. Zach already mentioned you might win the Mountain West, and that's true. UConn, there's no conference you're fighting for here. You got kicked out of the AAC, basically. Um, and but, and I, I want to mention this, Zach. UConn is one of those teams. I know you said I've been vocal about them. I guess it has been mostly me now that I'm thinking about it. But they have caught like the most flack out of any team on this entire podcast. Like in the in this is our third season. I don't I don't know, man. Like I feel like Jim Harbaugh is calling your phone right now, being like, "Do you know who's on the other end?" <laughs> that's that's true, Zach. But I guess my point here is that UConn and college football should never be in the same sentence. Like, there's never a good reason for that. Um, and I just don't understand how we keep coming back to them. You know, they didn't even play last season, Zach, and we still found a reason to talk about them. So I don't know what's up with that. Uh, Fresno State is a really good team, Zach, and I guess the thing, if I had to choose one thing I'm most excited for in this game, it's how well this offense is going to perform. And truth be told, Zach, this offense should be able to do really anything they want at will in this game. 
Um, I've got my prediction ready. I'm going to let you talk about it and break it down a little bit more because you're more the analytical guy. But, man, th- this is going to be th- – or this should be uh, just a slaughter, like, from the very start. That Listen, I mean, we got, like, the perfect, uh, I guess, dynamic here. Like, all the fans who just, like, unsubscribe <laughs> because, like, you just went on, like, a random all the tangent. Like, yeah, all the UConn fans, they're going to re- they're, they're gonna subscribe again after hearing me talk. And all the fans that just want to hear the trash talk are going to unsubscribe after hearing me talk. And then, you know, hear, hearing you talk really kind of keeps them around. Really yeah, and – you know, for me, looking at this, looking at this matchup, man, the biggest thing for me is, like you said, the offense for Fresno State. They've returned their top three players, Brandon, and it was the most efficient offense in the Mountain West last year. One of the most efficient in the country. When you look at Jake Hadner at quarterback, Brandon, he he was a transfer from Washington, and I thought he showed major promise. Brandon, only six games last year, he threw for over two thousand yards and fourteen touchdowns. Yeah, that, that's that is an that's outstanding production. And Brandon, this is the crazy stat for me. He was eighth in the entire country, not but not group of five, the entire country, eighth in big time throw rate at almost 10 percent. So he can push the ball down the field and he's not afraid to make those throws and his arm strength is there. This offense is going to rely on him. To be more consistent, though, Brandon, even though most of his games were great games, he still had two games where he didn't even break a 50 grade for pro football focus last year. So I want to see that consistency throughout the year, and that's really what's going to separate this Fresno State team from competing for the Mountain West and kind of falling back to that mid-level Mountain West team, which which we've seen. And also Ronnie Rivers and Jalen Cropper are both back. And that that's like the – I guess it's like the trio of offensive weapons that Fresno State has that is going to give UConn a lot of problems. Now the question for me, though, Brandon, in this game is can either team generate any sort of pass rush? And then also on the flip side, are, which team can develop some, some O-line chemistry early? Fresno State, Brandon, had the second-worst offensive line in the Mountain West last year, while UConn only returned two starters from their 2019 unit that had one of the worst sack sack percentage rates in the country. So neither offensive line performs well. And when you look at a player like Travis Jones from UConn, Brandon, he is a key here because he can be a game-changer just by himself on the interior of that defensive line. Brandon, he was a top-25 pass rusher in the entire country in in FBS total where he had four sacks, 11 and a half tackles for loss, 85 tackles in total over his first few seasons. He's going to have to make an impact though, Brandon, in both the running game and the pass rush aspect of this game for UConn to have a chance because outside of him, they don't have a lot of stars that you're going to be able to lean on on that defensive side of the ball, especially when you're going up against such an explosive offense. And then also, before we get into predictions, the quarterback position is going to be a storyline for UConn, Brandon. They still don't know who's technically going to be the starter. There's rumors that uh, Jack Zaragatis is going to take the first snaps, but Brandon, he went a lot. He went through a lot of struggles two seasons ago. Nine touchdowns to eleven ints with under sixty percent completion percentage. He ranked the third worst quarterback in the entire country, Brandon. 
in terms of pro football focus grade. So that cannot happen if UConn expects to compete for anything this year, especially a bowl bid. And when you look at the depth of this team, Michael Leon Leon could compete for some time. Stephen uh, Krajewski could also compete for some time. But really and truly, Zuragatis is probably going to be the guy to be QB1 this year. The whole question mark for me is, against a Fresno State defense that's not that strong, can he play well enough to keep them in the game by keeping up with a Fresno State offense that's probably going to average 30 to 35 points a game this year? No, absolutely not. In my opinion, no No chance. (laughs) It's fine. And, you know, these offensive lines are young. And, Brandon, with not playing last year, it's also going to be interesting to see what UConn pulls out, man. I mean, that team's going to be fired up. That team's going to be ready. And I wouldn't be surprised, Brandon, as much as Fresno State is the heavy favorite here, I would not be surprised – for UConn to take an early lead just because of all that momentum and passion and being excited to be on the field. But for me, I I feel like down the stretch is where you're really going to see Fresno State separate themselves. And that's why right now, Brandon, I have Fresno State over UConn 52 to 17 this weekend. Okay. I I actually really like that. You, You had a more outrageous score than I did. And I'm over here talking the most trash anybody's ever talked. Uh, I've got Fresno State 48-10, guys. And for you at home who are gambling, that uh, Fresno State is a 27.5-point favorite. I had that hitting. If I had to give that on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident I am, that's about a 9.5. I, I, they absolutely have to beat them by four touchdowns. Uh, over, under, 62.5. I have that going under. Zach has it going over. Uh, that one's kind of a split. I, I'd go with like a 4 on that one. And uh, as far as the money line goes, obviously Fresno State, it's minus 6,000. I don't know a book that will let you even take that because that's free money. Uh, that's an 11 out of 10 on my confidence scale. I mean, and listen, I mean, if you're trying to make a quick buck, man, just throw like 10 bucks on plus 1,600 for UConn. Because, like, if the craziness happens, just imagine. Yeah, that's 160 bucks right there. Or there you if go. you take the safe route, like maybe you want to like invest in like a Roth IRA, go ahead and put like your life savings on Fresno State. And then that's just like small returns, but you know, it's a little oh, bit. Man. The, the gambling advice here. But so let's continue. But we got Hawaii, UCLA guys this weekend, 2 30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. UCLA is an 18-point favorite right now, Brandon. And for one, I think this matchup is a huge, huge game for Chip Kelly and UCLA. And also on the flip side, you can look at what could be the next step or the preview of what Todd Graham is building down there in Hawaii. Both teams return a lot of key pieces from their pretty good 2020 or their 2020 seasons. And I think it's really going to come down to defense here, Brandon, as much as the offenses are going to be the storyline, whichever defense executes the best could be a big key. But for you, what are you looking forward to in this matchup between UCLA and Hawaii? The thing I'm looking forward to most, Zach, is this UCLA offense. Um, To me, this is the key to the game. And I, I honestly think this is UCLA's game to lose. Uh, I, I think that they should definitely be favorites in this game. But Hawaii has an actual shot at this, Zach. Like, they're not a bad team by any means. But UCLA's offense, to, to touch a little bit more on that, um, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, obviously their quarterback, has the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks in his conference in the Pac-12, if not the best if he has that actual breakout season this year, Zach. Um, the wide receiving corps, 
uh, core here in in Los Angeles this season is out of this world. It, it's the best they've had in seasons, in my opinion. Like like over the past couple seasons with Chip Kelly at UCLA, where you know no one had super high expectations, they've kind of uh, raised the bar a little bit. I'd say. Uh, not only that, Zach, but this offensive line is returning all five starters this season from last year. And yeah, I understand. You know, people are like, "Oh, well, last year they went three and four. Let's break that down real quick, Zach. Yes, they went three and four. Do you know what the biggest loss they had was? I think they had it was a, like six points. They had a six point loss against Colorado in Week One. Uh, after that, Zach, their other three losses they lost to Oregon by a field goal. Then they lost to USC, which, by the way, Oregon defending Pac-12 champs by a field goal. Then they lost to USC by five points, crosstown rival also in that championship game. And then they lost to Stanford by one point in double overtime the last week of the season. So, yes, they went three and four. Things could have been a lot better. But as I mentioned on my Pac-12 preview earlier this week, Zach, I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson has taken the step forward that he needed to take last season. Uh, his completion percentage jumped a ton. His He finally learned how to be a little bit more mobile and how to utilize that to his advantage. Uh, and, and he smashed, I mean, his previous uh, rushing yards. I mean, t- before before this past season, he'd rushed for about 200 yards total. Last season, he had 304 yards and six yards per carry. So I, I think this offense is going to be super dangerous. It's going to be a really fun game to watch, though. Don't let me don't let me just talk about UCLA here because Hawaii is a very respectable team. Uh, I know when you think about Hawaii, you think offense, and yes, their offense is going to be good. But watch out for that defense, dude. That defense is kind of like like they're they're sneaky good. Like not a lot of people are going to come out and talk about them, but j- I'm telling you, just watch out for them this season. This is going to be one of the better offenses or better better defenses that I think UCLA will see, especially playing in the Pac-12. Um, I agree. Hey, listen, y'all, you can always count on me to talk about the defense, but um, now I want to start with UCLA first. Brandon, this game, this season, is, is really Chip Kelly coming to a crossroads, in my opinion. Right. He's going to have to put together some sort of season in which he competes for the Pac-12 at somewhat of a high level. You can't, you can't keep finishing third, fourth, fifth, sixth in your own division and expect to keep your job, in my opinion, because you haven't won anything. And this year, you got your best team to do it. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is back, and Brandon, his game has evolved. And this, and why I love this game is it's a great test, Brandon, because this Hawaii defense returns 10 of its 11 starters from last year. And this defense was a top 55 defense last year, Brandon. It was in that, like, right there almost in the top 50 range, which was this is a crazy stat as well. The highest ranked Hawaii defense since they made their Sugar Bowl run with Colt Brin back in like 07. Yeah. So that's the type of success they have on the defensive side of the ball right now. And you mentioned the rush game last year for Robinson, Brandon. He also set career highs to completion percentage, yards per attempt, passer rating, and had his career low in interceptions. So those are all great signs for a, for a quarterback now that's entering his kind of make-or-break year. I want to see if Thompson Robinson can be that college football star that I've seen flashes of. And this is the first step, and I want to see how, how he progresses off of his offseason injury, Brandon. He was held out of some of fall camp, some of summer workouts due to an undisclosed injury. There were some question marks surrounding him playing this game. All indications think he, he will be out there, but I need to see him shake off that rust because with LSU coming to, coming to L.A. next week, 
he can't afford to have a lot of rust in that game because LSU is going to come out there and when you're going up against Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley, there, there is no margin for error when you're playing quarterback against that defense. And then the secondary, Brandon, for, for the Bruins, I mentioned on our Pac-12 preview, it's a major question mark. And it's also a huge question mark when you got this Hawaii offense that returns a lot of weapons. Shevin Cordario at quarterback for Hawaii and Jared Smart are two guys you're going to have to watch for Hawaii. Cordario threw for over 2,000 yards and 14 touchdowns last season, Brandon. In, in 2019, Smart had over 1,100 receiving yards as well. So you got a great wide receiver with a quarterback that's not afraid to put it to throw the ball, man. He will he will let it fly. And so that's a bad that's a bad thing for the UCLA defense. That is very inexperienced. They don't have a lot of pieces returning, and there's a lot of inconsistency outside of really, I believe, Cam Johnson at that CB one spot that they have, and. Brandon, the other thing I want to look for, and I've been reading a lot about this position battle because I don't think enough people are talking about it. UCLA has to find a replacement for Demetric Felton at running back. And uh, for me, that's the piece of their offense where if they're going to make a, if they're going to make a Pac-12 run, that's got to be solved. And right now, and right now, the Hawaii defensive line is the weakness of that team. That defensive line is atrocious. They rank dead last, Brandon. The entire defense actually ranked dead last in tackling, Brandon, in the whole country. One thirty. I mean, when you when you can't tackle nobody, then I, I don't know how you expect to win a game. And they were outside the top one hundred in rush defense. Uh, Britton Brown and Zach Chabernet are both the top running backs. For UCLA, both of them are transfers, Brown coming from Duke, Zach coming from Michigan. And for me, Brandon, I th- they're listed as the top two running backs. I think they're going to see a heavy do- dose of both guys. Brown, 500 yards, 6.6 yards per carry, Brandon, last year for the Bruins. And Charbonnet transfers in after having 850 and 12 touchdowns at Michigan. And mostly in his first year, he played like a few games last year that ended up opting out. Chip Kelly has to find his feature back here, Brandon, because when that LSU defense comes to town, there's not going to be time to decide then. So this Hawaii front offers the perfect first test where if you can run the ball well on them, that's a great sign. But then also, you know, you're going to have to take it to the next level. So you need to find who you can rely on in the big moments to keep the chains moving and keep the ball in you in your possession and keep your defense, which is your weakness at UCLA off the field. The one thing I will say, Zach, and I think I heard this from another YouTube channel, and I was I was thinking the same way you were. I'm pretty worried about this running back position because they haven't gotten it sorted out yet. From what I'm hearing, I think Britton Brown might be the starter. Like he might be like the main yeah. guy. Um, but someone pointed this out. I'm not too worried about a running back in Chip Kelly's system because it always seems like he has his guy. Uh, even if before the season starts, we're like, oh well, what are they going to do? Chip Kelly always finds a way in pretty much every single offense that he's ever been a part of. So I'm not super worried about that. Uh, And for that reason, I have UCLA taking this game. Can I go ahead and get my prediction? Yeah, go ahead. I've got got UCLA 42. uh, Hawaii, I actually have them keeping this one somewhat close. I have Hawaii 31. Ooh, I like that. I like that prediction. So for me – I feel like I feel like Hawaii will keep it close early, Brandon. I have UCLA pulling away late. I have UCLA 41-23 in LA getting the big win over Hawaii. If for Chip Kelly and UCLA, you have to start one and zero. 
If yep. you lose this game, That's the tough. season is going to be absolutely brutal for you with LSU coming up, USC coming up, Arizona State, and the Pac-12 is at a all-time strength, in my opinion. I think there's so many teams that could beat you week in and week out. This is a must-win for UCLA, and I do think they pull it out, though. Yeah, I think so, Zach. And for this one, um, the most current the most current line I've seen is 17.5 UCLA. I don't have them hitting that. Uh, I'm not super confident in that, though. I wouldn't place that spread bet. Uh, the one bet I would place on this game would be the over-under. I think this game goes over regardless. I, I, it's 68.5. This is the opening game between a Pac-12 team and Hawaii. It has to go over. It better go. It, hey, UCLA's just lucky it's not on the island. If it was on the island, we'd be having a whole a whole different story. <laughs> I love it. But And we got to move on here to Nebraska-Illinois you know, 12 p.m. Central Time on Fox. This is a conference matchup week zero. And I don't think – Brad, I just want to say this. I don't think there's anything better than conference matchups in week zero. I love games that mean something. And these teams got to get ready to play. Nebraska is a seven-point favorite last time I looked. And so it, it's supposed to be a close game. And Scott Frost right now, just a just storyline surrounding the game, Scott Frost may be on the hottest seat of all time in, in the whole country right now. <laughs> Due to the recent NCAA violations, underwhelming performances, it braided four straight seasons of losing records. That cannot happen at Nebraska, and it has. And also, Brett Belima is making his first his first coaching start at Illinois, and winning this game could give him ultimate positive momentum moving forward. So, Brandon, what are you looking forward to most in this matchup, and what are you going to be trying to look for as you're watching this game? So – the main thing that I'm looking for, Zach, and, and let me preface this real quick. This is going to probably be the most fun game of the weekend to watch if you're like me or Zach, because, like, to me, College Football Saturday is starting out the day with a Big Ten matchup that, like, it's a lot of fun, but we know what's exactly going to happen. Like, this is going to be like the run game dominates because that's all the Big Ten can do, apparently. Um and but nonetheless, like it's going to be a great game. It's you know, and the spread did update. Just gambling guy here, but seven and a half points Nebraska now. It's like yesterday it was six and a half, so the spread keeps getting a little bit wider and wider. I think people are really high on Nebraska for some reason, or maybe they're just really low on Illinois. Um, what I'll say, Zach, is it's going to be interesting to see how these two teams compete because these two teams are nearing the bottom of the Big Ten. Uh, I don't think that's really an argument. I think that's just kind of what the case is. And especially with all the controversy going on at Nebraska right now that broke like a couple of weeks ago. So like that's fresh on their minds, Zach. Like that is, if there's not a bigger distraction in the country right now, um, I mean, if there is a bigger distraction in the country right now, it has to be Arizona state, but this is fresher. The wound's still there. So like this team might not be playing up to even their potential, which I don't think is super high. Um, Adrian Martinez is back for Nebraska, unfortunately. Um, and this team also lost two of its best O-linemen in this offseason. So things might get a little bit worse. What I'm saying, Zach, is even though the spread is getting wider and wider for Nebraska, I wouldn't be shocked at all if this was like a, like a couple points game. Like if this game was decided by less than a touchdown. This is going to be a really good game to watch, and I don't think it's going to be super high scoring by any means. But I, I don't really know if there's, like, one facet in the game I can point to to be like, oh, well, that's going to be fun to watch. I think it's more of, like, the storyline surrounding this. 
Yeah, and I mean, Illinois pulled off the big upset last year. I think it was like 41 to 23. They pulled off the upset over Nebraska. It's their first win in multiple years. But for me, Brandon, it's the quarterback matchup that I look forward to watching the most. And I know everyone's like, what? But for me, it's because both of these guys have received endless criticism, Brandon. But they're both going to be the key to their team winning. Adrian Martinez has failed to live up to the hype since 2018. 14 touchdowns to 12 interceptions, Brandon, in his last two seasons. But for me, he's he completed 71% of his passes last year. If he could just control the turnover bug just a little bit, I think he could be in for a nice season. And also, with the questions at the running back position for Nebraska, I want to see him be just as dynamic with his legs as that he's been. 1,700 yards rushing, 22 touchdowns. I want to see him be the leader of this Cornhuskers offense, be dynamic outside the pocket, make some plays with his legs, but also take care of the ball. How many games would Nebraska have won if he just takes care of the ball? You take away a pick or two here in key situations. And on the flip side, Brandon, Brandon Peters has been named the starter for Illinois, but it's 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 good because he has the experience, Brandon, but accuracy has been just abysmal. He has the arm to make every throw on the field. He doesn't turn the ball over, but Brandon, he had a 48% completion percentage last year. And yeah. the year before, he was only at 55, but he takes care of the ball, 21 to 8 touchdown interception mark, and he didn't throw an interception all season. But it doesn't matter if you can't hit your receivers in stride and move the chains. So for me, which quarterback can find their rhythm and make enough plays to win the game for their team is the question. But also, Brandon, when you're looking at the storylines, Illinois' run game versus the front seven of Nebraska could could really determine this game. Illinois' O-line is a top-five O-line in the Big Ten, according to most sources. They return a majority of their production. And also, Chase Brown at running back could be a breakout star for Illinois. Over 500 yards rushing, three touchdowns last year. But he's the number one running back in a Belima system where they like to have a wart, a wart, a wart, a wart hurt. Oh, I can't say that word. Yeah, work. <laughs> I still can't say it. They like to have a feature back. But um, he graded Brandon actually as the fourth best Big Ten running back over the final five games of the season when he started taking over that job. But when you look at this Nebraska D-line, it's the weak spot, Brandon. Brings in the bottom four. So for me, the linebackers are going to have to carry the early load. You look at a JoJo Doman, a Chris Kalervik, a Will Honus, all those guys are going to have to play above and beyond their potential because they, that's really the only unit on this defense that's returning any sort of production. Ben still is a defensive tackle that can really control the game, but he has no edge help right now. So can Nebraska get to the quarterback and be good enough against the run to stop it? Because this is pivotal, Brandon, because if Illinois goes in there and Adrian Martinez is having turnover issues – and then they can run the clock and control the time of possession, Nebraska could be in trouble down the stretch in this game. I think you're right, Zach. And I, I want to point to one more thing. I kept saying this is going to be a fun game. It's going to be a fun game for sure, but it's not going to be a fun game because this is like a bowl-level level, like a bowl game-level matchup because let's face facts. Like if you're a Nebraska fan, you might make the, you might make a post-game appearance maybe like if you're really good. Illinois, I hate to break it to you, probably not. Um, 
But I, I think this game's going to be fun in the same way that, like, the XFL was fun because, like, it's football. There's not a whole lot of other football on. Don't let me – I'm not talking crap about either one of these teams. I'm going to watch this game all the way through. I'm going to bet on this game, I promise you. Um, but, yeah, man, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, if I had to give you my picks right now, what I'd give you is Nebraska 17, Illinois 10. I think this game is decided by – it's going to be super low scoring, I'm telling you, dude. It's the first Big Ten game at noon, like just history repeats itself is what I'll say. I know last year was pretty high scoring for this matchup in particular. It's not going to be this season. It's going to be a, it's going to be that stereotypical big 10 matchup. Uh, I think the under on 54 and a half, uh, Nebraska is going to win this game, obviously. And I take Illinois plus seven and a half in this matchup. Oh man. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting. I mean, but I mean, let's I also want to talk about how big of a game this could be for Scott Frost's future. Yeah. Because, man, if he loses this game, Brandon, you want to talk about a hot seat because you lose this game. You still got the non-conference game against Oklahoma, which is going to be a top a top three team in the country. You all still got Northwestern, who represented the Big Ten, the Big Ten Championship. You still got Minnesota. Then you still your last three games for, for Nebraska, Brandon, are Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Right. That what a what a stretch of games right there. And so right now you're looking at possibly barely making bowl eligibility if you drop this game. And if you drop this game, I don't think there's an easy win on your schedule outside of maybe Fordham and Buffalo. And you know, if you're for me. This is going to determine whether Scott Frost is on the right trajectory this season to keep his job and or if the wheel – because, I mean, just imagine, Brandon, with the NCAA investigation, with losing a, a back-to-back games against Illinois, you could be talking about the wheels falling off this Nebraska program very quickly if they don't win this game. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And with, with when you look at Illinois, they I feel like their schedule's a little bit easier. I mean, Virginia's going to be a tough non-conference game. But then you get Maryland, Purdue, and Charlotte, Brandon. So I think those are all, like, you'll be, like, you have a chance to win those if you play well. you still got Rutgers on the schedule. But for me, I, I feel like bowl eligibility is really tough for Illinois right now, and not a lot of people are projecting them, but winning this game would go a long way, Brandon, and really giving them a shot at it. Because when you look, you have to win this game. You probably have to beat UTSA, which you should, beat Purdue, beat Maryland, beat Charlotte, and then you got to find a game or two somewhere else. So, But just imagine the positive momentum from Brett Belima winning his first game. And also, people don't give Brett Belima enough credit, Brandon. He, I know he struggled at Arkansas. Arkansas is a very tough place to win. Let's just yeah. let's just put it out there. I mean, that is a very hard place to win, especially with it being in the SEC West. Look, at, I would I would focus more on what he did at Wisconsin more so than what he did at Arkansas, and he made Arkansas competitive at times. Brandon, it's not like Arkansas just fell apart his whole tenure. There was a time where you didn't want to really play Arkansas, and they pulled some very good upsets. But I think his Washington, his uh, Wisconsin tenure is a lot more telling of what his potential is. And I think this could be the perfect location. Expectations are low. He's going to go out there and throw it all. He's going to throw it all to the wall. And I, I really think Illinois could be a sneaky team throughout the season. And a week one, a week zero win over Nebraska at home with fans finally coming back, getting back in the stadium. You could be talking about an electric environment at 12 o'clock in the afternoon in Champaign.
Yep, yep, you're right. But I got to give my prediction here, and I'm a little bit – I guess I have, I have more faith in the offenses than you do. I have 31-27 Nebraska in a close one. Oh, I, I, I honestly think this game is going to come down to like a last possession, Brandon. I think, you, I think Illinois can have a chance to win it late. I think Nebraska – is going to have to hang on late and make some plays to win. I think this game is going to come down to at least the last minute of the game. Yeah, and I don't. I don't want to undermine your pick, Zach. I, I think you're right. I do agree with you about how close this game will be. Um, like I said, once again, if you skip to the end of the episode for the prediction, I'm gonna give mine one more time. Nebraska 17, Illinois 10. I think this is the classic Big Ten game. Week zero. Good God. Um, so I think it's going to be low scoring. Not that either one of these teams have like a great defense because Illinois is returning. Like I, I want to say they finished dead last in defensive uh, in total defense, but like, I don't think either one of these teams can truly score the ball. So uh, my, like if I had to give you like one bet, I would, I would, I would hammer that under 54 and a half. Um, Zach disagrees, but it's big 10 football. I'll, I'll come back to that one more time. All right. Fair enough. Fast. And we also have our MEAC SWAC challenge we got to cover. We got Alcorn State versus North Carolina Central. Last, the last time I checked this spread, Brandon, it was 13 and a half Alcorn. It's going to be prime time and the MEAC SWAC challenge. We got game day there. Dion's going to be there. It's all the stars. I think Migos is having a private concert for it, Brandon. But it's going to be live in prom time this weekend. And it's the perfect opportunity, Brandon, to put on a show in front of the country. And also, it's going to be an interesting measuring stick, Brandon, for two teams that haven't played since 2019. Is Alcorn ready to reclaim their SWAC title? And can North Carolina Central really compete for the MEAC this season after a lot of their top teams left for other conferences with North Carolina A&T headed to the big sky and also FAMU and Bethune headed to the SWAC. So, Brandon, what are some of the storylines you're looking for? What are you going to be looking at while you're watching this game? Obviously, Zach, the main thing is what you already mentioned. We're coming off of this season where neither one of these programs played. So that's going to be super exciting to me. We did our SWAC preview um, a couple of, what was this, like a week ago, two weeks ago, a week and a half, something like that. Anyway, we already did that. Uh, I chose Alcorn in my SWAC championship not to win. I have Jackson State winning. I'm riding with I'm riding with them. But Alcorn is going to bounce back this season and be a similar team they were in 2019. This team that won the uh, that that won the SWAC and, and I don't think they won the Celebration Bowl against North Carolina. They did it. Yeah, yeah A and T put like 60 on them. But they put 50 on A&T. So yeah, like, I, I know. But, like, they still gave up 60 points, man. And they got beat in this stadium, like, in, in, in the Falcon Stadium, in Mercedes-Benz. That's tough, man. Um, I, I did notice the spread jumped to 14.5 for this game, which I think is lethal. And I'll get back to that in a little while. But Alcorn, the thing I'm looking most forward to is seeing how Felix Harper comes back and plays, dude. Because he is, I think, the heart and soul of this team in general. Like he is the player to watch. He is the player to watch in the SWAC. Um, so that that's mainly what I'm looking at, Zach. I, I, I'm looking for this to be a, a fairly competitive game. So that 14 and a half is killing me. Like, I don't understand. I, and, and I know Alcorn's like Alcorn's Alcorn, right? But I don't 
I don't think North Carolina Central is a bad team. I think they're returning a lot or a decent amount from this 2019 team. That was that was good enough. I don't think they were a bad. Yeah, it was whatever. four and eight, but fair cool. enough. It's fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I don't. I don't. I think 14 and a half is a little bit out there, Zach. That's over two touchdowns. You have to lose by more than two touchdowns to to uh, not hit this spread. I mean, you have a SWAC champion versus a four and eight team out of the BAC. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you expected, man. All right, yeah. Sure. I don't know what you expect. I mean, look. I mean, the biggest storyline, of course, is the quarterbacks. I mean, you got the SWAC Player of the Year and a and a freshman in twenty nineteen finally getting, I guess, to have his junior year of, of of finally. And he hasn't played. He didn't play his sophomore year because they opted out. But the Trigger Man is back, man. Felix Trigger Man Harper. I'm so excited to see him play. Last time we saw him, almost three thousand yards through the air. 33 touchdowns, man, six rushing touchdowns and only nine interceptions. Like I said, it was the SWAC player of the year. The only thing is, though, Brandon, I want to see he took a year off or Alcorn took a year off. I want to see his completion percentage go up. I want to see him hit that 63 to 67% mark this year. And if he can do that, I don't know who could stop this offense. Because when I looked at, I went back and did some research, Brandon, Alcorn was undefeated when Felix completed over 60% of his passes. Yeah. And in all their losses, he had it, it, all his losses except North Carolina A&T, which I think he was still below 60. He had a 50% or lower. He completed like 40%. I believe it was the Grambling game in 2019. He just, it was a terrible game for Felix Harper there. But on the other side, we have Davius Richard who I think he had a decent freshman season, Brandon, but he really struggled against elite secondaries, which is what's going to be the problem here for me. Three interceptions against Gardner-Webb, which had a solid defense. Two interceptions and a 45% completion percentage against FAMU. Two INTs and a 42.5% completion percentage against South Carolina State. And Brandon, when he went up against North Carolina A&T, he only completed 25% of his passes. Right. He got benched. So he was great in all the other games, but it was just when he faced stiffer competition, he couldn't deliver. And it's going to be interesting because if you if people don't know, Alcorn's defense, Brandon, in 2019 led the FCS, not the swag, the FCS in interceptions with 21 in a season and turnovers forced with almost 40. So right. that defense is stingy athletic. I like Jawan Taylor at secondary. He was the 2019 SWAC championship MVP of that game. He is a playmaker. And right now, Brandon, Richard's going to get probably one of his tougher tests in terms of the secondary he's going to face. He probably won't face a secondary like this or as athletic or as you know, opportunistic until he plays South Dakota, South Carolina State, where he gets to Kobe Durant, that huge matchup there. But also, Brandon, the storyline that I want to talk about is the revamped Alcorn defensive line against this NCCU offensive line that's also mostly revamped. Because if Isaiah Totten is not contained for Alcorn, it's going to be a problem. Because yeah. uh, Totten is a three-time All-MEAC selection, rushed for over 2,000 yards as one of the school leaders in rushing yard and 15 touchdowns. So the key for North Carolina Central here is if Richard has to carry this offense, they're going to lose the game. But if Totten can establish the run against this new all-corn front seven, this game is going to be much more competitive than people think because I don't think Richard can – 
keep up with the firepower that Alcorn has on the other side. So if you've got to control the time of possession, because if you look on the other side, Nico Duffy is going to be a problem at running back for Alcorn. He was already a problem in 2019, and now they bring in Austin Bolton from Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, who was the MVP there. So they have a great one-two punch, and they got some other guys in that backfield. If North Carolina Central can't control the line of scrimmage, Brandon, and allows Alcorn's defensive line to establish pressure and stop the run, then I really think Alcorn can run away with this game. Yeah, I think you're right. And let's not take away the passing game. I, th- I think that LaCharles Pring was going to be an essential part uh, of, of this um, of this Alcorn State offense. And admittedly, Zach and I, or at least I, know more about SWAC than I do about MIAC. Um, it's just what I've covered. So, yes, I don't, I don't have a lot. I don't have many more thoughts on this one. Um, I, I think Alcorn's the better team by a lot. Um, I, I just think my, my comment about the 14 and a half spread, like that's, that's huge for like week one, Zach. And, and I guess that's what I'm getting at. Um, but I don't know. I don't have many more thoughts on this one. I mean, p- personally, I think it's, I think what this is, is really just kind of like, what is, how rusty is Alcorn and North Carolina Central going to be after a year-long break? Which yeah. team can shake off the rust the fastest when you have the athletes that Alcorn has compared to North Carolina Central and you have an experienced, accomplished, un, you know, capable quarterback like you do with Felix Harper – have a tough time thinking Alcorn's going to go in here and lose. Because, Brandon, when you look at Alcorn, they've been under the bright lights. They've been in the spotlight. They know how to win big games. I don't think I can say the same about North Carolina Central. So, for me, Brandon, I have Alcorn big here. I have Alcorn 37-17 to over North Carolina Central this weekend in Mercedes-Benz Stadium with the whole world watching in primetime. Man, I'm so glad this got the primetime slot you're tuned yeah. in to ESPN at 6 p.m. Central, man, this is a game you're going to have to watch. Yeah, first take's not going anymore, so that's kind of a bummer. But um, Max Kellerman's gone anyway. We got rid of him. But, but no, I, I also have Alcorn State big, and I do have them covering that 14.5-point spread. Um, I've got Alcorn 42, uh, North Carolina Central 21. Um, so the other, the other lines here, we have Alcorn State minus 700, obviously hit that. NC Central's plus 470. The over-under is what I'm going to focus on here, Zach. The over-under is set at 52.5. I think that's uh, you have to hit the over on that regardless. Like Alcorn has a good chance to hit that over on their own. I think Alcorn's offense is going to be explosive. I think I think the best thing is I think their defense is going to pick up right where they left off and start forcing some significant turnovers. So, guys, but guys, for B-Dub, myself, and the Blue Bloods, we are out for right now. <laughs>